guess what? It's episode 304 of Good Luck High Five. That's right. You're listening to a podcast that's for people who play Magic the Gathering. Whether you're hanging out playing it online, at your kitchen table, your local game store, or you're just thinking about it in your head, mm. we're here for you. Have you ever played a game of Magic in your head? You know, I'm sure... I'm sure I have. We've talked about our dreams, our magic dreams that we've had before. Yeah, that's true. That is a real thing. Yeah. And I've talked about how in real life, I will hear arena sound effects played out before me. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're encompassing all planes of existence, really. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm just saying sometimes maybe you're sitting around and you're like, well, I don't have anyone to play a game of magic with right now. And the Internet isn't working. So I'm going to do a thought so experiment. So I'm going to do a thought experiment <laughs> where I pretend to play cards. Uh, I always get mana screwed in those, though. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> you're being a little rough. You're being a little hard on yourself in that, yeah, you in know. that case. Well, that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. I'm one of your hosts, Megan. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Maria. And on today's show, we've got all the magic news that you can personally handle. Like we usually say, it's specifically tailored for you. So yes. you're welcome. It's the correct amount of news for you. And we're going to talk uh, to Pro Tour champion Andrew Ellenbogen. That's right. He took down that Pro Tour just one week ago. That's really strange. I know, right? I was. It also <sighs> feels like months have it, passed it, it's like in the past years. week. I was talking about it in the booth and I'm like, the Pro Tour that was last weekend yes right when i was referencing it writing Whoa. about it i was like wait a second it was only last weekend spooky very spooky and speaking of being in the booth we're going to talk about grand prix milwaukee where we were both working on coverage last weekend yeah that's right things happened there that's true. Standard happened. It sure did. In the town of Milwaukee. We're also going to bring you some updates on some of our favorite celebrities. <laughs> yes. Are they anyone that's relevant? No. Well, define relevant. <laughs> that's true. I mean, you know, for your own for your own self. Yeah. Actually, some of this news is gonna might surprise you. So, oh yeah, there's a little teaser for I you. I know at least one part of it surprised me when you told me. <laughs> But before we do any of that, big thanks to everybody who's a supporter of ours on patreon.com slash goodluck slash slash GLHF magic. Uh, we just love having uh, new subscribers join our family. It's a buck 25 an episode if you want to look at it that way. It's a super low amount for uh, just helping support our show exist and helping our lives continue. That's right. I know people, you know, you could say like $5. That's like one real nice cup of coffee. Yeah. In a whole month, but also get yourself the coffee too. I'm just here to tell Treat you that. yourself. Exactly. Um, so we would so appreciate it if you would if you would just pitch in $5 a month. And also, we're Buy not saying don't have a coffee. We're saying we believe that you can do both. We think that you deserve it. Exactly. So if you become a new patron this month, please uh, take us in a tweet with the hashtag uh, Patreon and coffee with a picture of your coffee. Yay. And you. Yes. <laughs> or maybe you make coffee at home and you're yeah. like, I've definitely got five bucks. Yeah, that's fine too. We so appreciate it. Big thanks to cardkingdom.com slash GLHF as well. They're super awesome. Everything they do is cool. They're super supportive of all of their customers. Great customer service, really yeah. cool products, and an awesome store, too, yes. if you're ever out in the area. We've done a couple of videos with some of their sparring decks in the last yeah. couple of weeks, which are their pre-con brawl decks that you can get for just $15. 60 cards, $15 already sculpted so that you can sit down and play a match of brawl with it. I'm holding the Ariel one right here. It's the Paladin of Panthers. And I was like, why is it called that? And Megan's like, because she's riding a panther. Yeah. I 
I and never noticed. So Card Kingdom, they'll also help you realize things that you hadn't noticed, despite them being right there the whole time. <laughs> that's it's a, a fact, long slogan. That's, that's but a very long new slogan. But <laughs> you know, you gotta you gotta say what you do. And that's one of the things they do, amongst many other wonderful things. I just want to take a quick moment to um, talk about our YouTube channel really fast. It's youtube.com slash goodluckhigh5. This week, it's relevant to your interests, especially we have board game reviews on Monday. Um, but this week, Megan and I actually reviewed Keyforge. That's right. We crack open a brand new Keyforge deck. Yeah. Uh, a complete with its randomly generated name. So good. Uh, Maria also spent all weekend just reading reading threads of yeah. weird Keyforge deck names. To answer the question of why is this game relevant to me as a Magic player, it's because it's Richard Car Garfield's newest card game. Yeah. So he made a new card game called Keyforge. It's pretty fun. Yeah. And um, it's like sealed, basically. Yes. And we can show you how to play and see if you're interested over on our YouTube channel. That's our video this week. Check it out. Shout, doubt. Now I'm just rhyming. <laughs> it's time for magic news. That's right. Grand Prix, Grand Prix Milwaukee was this weekend. <laughs> Grand P is different. <laughs> totally different. <laughs> yeah, Milwaukee was standard, and it was really cool to see it after the Pro Tour because, you know, there's a big question. What's going to happen after all these white weenie decks take over the world? Absolutely. And was the question, will all of those people who went into the Pro Tour being like, we're going to play Golgari because it's one yeah. of the most popular decks at the Pro Tour, the most popular deck. Right. Will they all just be like, I was wrong. The answer was no. No. So many people played Golgari. They're like, so guess many what? People. This deck is still good and we're going to stick with it. And you know what? It paid off. That's right. None other than Seth Manfield top aided with Golgari midrange. And in his write up, he was like, do you know what? This deck has no bad matchups. Yeah. Wow. That's a strong statement. That is a strong statement. But he is the number one ranked player in the world. So who am I to judge? When is he not? Jeez. That's a great point. Well, when? last week he wasn't. Why? Because he, he lost the player of the year playoff. Oh, <laughs> sad. Well, he's still number one, though. Does that affect that? No, right now he's no, he is number one, but oh. he wasn't player of the year. That's oh, I see, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. I was like, wait a second. Was it For just a like, while, boop? <laughs> he and Luis Salvato were tied. Yes. Okay. That happened. Yeah. So he's, he's number one and he made it to the top. It was pretty cool. Uh, top eight too. Um, but we can go more into that in detail a little bit later. Yeah. But, uh, the winner was a real cool dude, Adrian Sullivan. That's right, from Wisconsin. And he he did what he was known to do back in the day. Not to make him sound old, but... He's an he's, old school player, he's though. He's playing Magic. I thought you were just going to say he's an old player. <laughs> but to <laughs> be fair, to Adrian old. is what? so he's old. He's an old <laughs> no. no. He is an old school Magic player. <laughs> and he's known for, especially in these control archetypes, taking his own weird twist on them. Yeah. And he certainly did that this weekend. He delivered. He came in with a Jeskai control list. There are plenty of pros going into this that did also think that Jeskai control was the way to go. Another very popular deck this past weekend. Yes. And he was like, but what if you're all doing it wrong and I know how to do it right? Yeah. It was, it was really, really cool to yeah. see somebody kind of bring a little bit of a change on a classic deck archetype. Yeah. And, and he did it and he took the whole thing down. I would say if you want to go back and watch some some highlights, oh, yeah. you can watch him just steal games of magic. Out of nowhere. Out of 
freaking nowhere. There was one game in the finals, the first game of the finals. Oh, yeah. You should go watch. Thought he was going to lose. Exactly. And it looks like it, right? Because he's yeah. playing control and his opponent has a carnage tyrant. And it's just like attacking so much with all, all of his different creatures. And Adrian is, has to like block with Niv-Mizzet and then like cast the dive down so that it survives. And she doesn't die and he survives. And on the next turn, he casts Expansion Explosion uh, and burns his opponent out from like 15. It was sick. Yeah, his opponent was on 15 the turn before. There is also a Control Mirror, which was his deck versus a classic Just Guy Control yeah. list. Oh, this was, so this that, wasn't was the, that wasn't the finals. No. Wait, it was the finals. Wait, what? what when was... When was it? That was in the semis, the game I was describing. Oh, yeah. No, it was in the finals. I don't remember. It was in the finals. <laughs> yes. And then the Jeskai Mirror was in the semifinals. It was a long weekend, everybody. You know what? Just go and watch it. There, there were was, a lot of matches There's of very Magic good played. games this yes. weekend. That I can say with certainty. What were you going to say in the Control Mirror? Oh, it, there was a stack of like 10 cards. Yeah, it's true. Like 10 deep stack. It was really sweet. It was sweet. And I don't like control mirrors. And I was like, I like this match. Card of the weekend, Maria. Here's my take. Go for it. Card of the weekend, Niv-Mizzet. That card is great. It's so good. I agree with you. It's so good. All these Jeskai control lists are playing it. And it's just like when that stack happened, if one player has a Niv-Mizzet and the other one doesn't, well, it's just like all of these spells, I'm drawing a card and I'm pinging you for damage. And so at the end of that stack, even if the player loses their Niv-Mizzet, it's like, okay, yeah, but now I fine. have 10 cards in yeah. my hand. Probably drew my other one. <laughs> exactly. Our other piece of news involves Arena. Yes. So now you can challenge your friends on Arena. What? Yeah, this is something Sweet. people have been wanting for a long time. So I could be like, type in Megan's username and be like, boop, challenge me. Wow. And then we would, we would battle. Don't we also have to have, do you have to know the numbers after the name? I, do, I think so. Okay. How yeah. do you find that? You When you open up the challenge thingy okay. on Arena, it shows you your username with your numbers. Oh, so there you go. If you yeah. want to challenge or be challenged, you can open up the challenge thing. It'll give you your username plus some special digits after it. The patrons in our Discord chat, uh, I put my username in there. So if you ever want to try and like spin the wheel and get lucky, <laughs> yeah, you can try challenging me at any given moment. Maybe I'll be online. You're like, oh, is Maria playing Arena right now? And like also not in a match. Anyway, we'll do it on stream and stuff, I'm sure. Yeah. Because it's, it's really, really, really fun. And by the way, there is um, updated user interface experience now on Arena. Everything goes faster. It's way more slick and like refined Ooh. now with the update, which I think nice. is really cool. Yeah. And you can play it block instructed. Oh, one of my favorite formats. Uh, it has not been a pro tour format for a long while now. Sad face. Years. Uh, but I still remember that the last time that it was, was during um, Theros, Born of the Gods, Journey into Nyx. Yeah. And I remember because it was the year, it was the block constructed of the black green constellation decks. Oh, that was so cool. There were so many constellation decks and they were so cool. I love block and constructed. I loved them. And then after that, they were like, no more block constructed. And I was like, but those were the coolest decks I'd seen in forever. If you don't know what block constructed is, it's very, it's, it's, it is what it sounds like. We're yeah. only doing a standard deck from one block. Exactly. So rather than say the current standard environment includes Ixalan, Dominaria, and guilds of ravnica and block constructed is just like well just guilds of ravnica so just build with this really limited yes. card pool um, makes you get creative with your deck choices and i've been having a blast yeah. i made a super fast boros uh, mentor deck which i mm -hmm. think is probably the best one and a demure surveil deck yeah and i what i also really like about it like i mentioned the theros one 
the journey into next block i loved because it highlights set mechanics yes. in a way that classic standard doesn't if you look at a mechanic and you're like gosh i wish that this had made it into standard more yeah. but like it just didn't have the cards that it needed or like other strategies were just too powerful and it overpowered this cool thing that i wanted to see more of that's how i felt about constellation for instance um you get to see that in Block Constructed. You get to see a really cool Mentor deck yeah. where Mentor just does its thing. You get to see really cool Surveil decks where Surveil just gets to like go wild. Yeah. So it's super cool. I love it. It was removed as a Pro Tour format because probably that was the only time anybody ever played it. Yes, so it's true. happy to see it revived on Arena. Yeah. Uh, other, other news, Maria. Yes. What's this last bit of news? Okay, so uh, I felt the need to update listeners. I really like to keep tabs on bands from the 90s. If you listen to our stream ever, yeah. uh, we have a pretty sweet 90s playlist Yes, that I think is top notch. Yeah. And one of the bands that I love from the 90s is Lit. Ooh. If you remember Ziploc Bag. Um, Why are you looking at me while you say this? I obviously remember them. Okay, great, great, great. Um, anyway, I was like, they have a new album out. I'm going to take a listen and see what happened. I'm going to connect this to another story in a second. I listened to it on the plane on the way back from uh, Milwaukee. Right. And it, uh, they are country band now. Oh, no. And the Didn't story that also happened to Sister Hazel? Yes. That's what I was going to say. Sister wow. Hazel, another one of my favorite 90s bands, yeah. is also now a country band. I'm so sorry. I mean, it was That's shocking. Difficult. Like, Sister Hazel, I guess I could kind of see that because they had a little country twinge in them, but not like yeah. big. But Lit, they were like alternative to the max. Yeah. Oh. Wow. It's really sad. I'm sorry. I mean, if you like country, go listen to them, I guess. But like, what have you done with my band? Well, there you go. There's your Lit. 90s band news. Go listen to them if you like country. We also have a celebrity news update. Yes, which is... What's up with John Cougar Mellencamp? You know, we're we're your home for news exactly. on specific celebrities. Very specific ones. We talked about John, old JCM <laughs> a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. We're yeah. like, what is he up to? I have an update, which is that as we were putting together show notes in the airport today, <laughs> you mentioned we were talking about John Cougar Mellencamp. And I don't know if you saw this, but the guy sitting across from us gave me like a thumbs up. Are you serious? Yes. You were too... <laughs> You were too involved with your phone to realize what was going on, but he like gave me a thumbs oh up, and then God. and then when you were like you know typing, he he was like, I went to go see him last year. Oh my God! And he was like, Great That's stuff! That's great! Great stuff! And I was like, Okay. Be like, listen to our show. Like, You'll be really surprised. I know, right? <laughs> Anyways, uh, what's the news though? This is something listeners made us aware of. Yeah. What was the news? The news is that he's engaged to Meg Ryan. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember that someone told us that, but it's just as surprising now as it was then. I know. Wow. That's right. Meg Ryan, John Cougar Mellencamp, tying the knot. Meg Ryan. Yeah. What's she been up to John lately? Cougar I don't know. Mellencamp. I guess dating John Cougar Mellencamp. I know. <laughs> wow. I can't believe that. Shocking. Really shocking, but... How old is John Cougar Mellencamp? I don't know. How old is Meg Ryan? I don't know. Timeless. Well, Timeless is the answer. <laughs> Her performances certainly are. <laughs> I really want to watch You've Got Mail, by the way. The way you said that sounded for a second as though you've never seen it. Oh, no. I've definitely seen it. It just sounded like it had just came out, just come out and you're just like, oh, I really want to go see You've Got Mail. <laughs> this is a hot new movie at the theaters. In the theaters. With AOL. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely. <laughs> That's right. Want, it deserves uh, a rewatch, you know. AOL. If only for the little dial-up tone for nostalgia. Anyway, we have veered off of the magic train 
right now, but you know, for an important reason. So I hope you all appreciate this celebrity news update. Yeah. What are you Googling? How old John Cougar <laughs> Mellencamp is. What's the answer? Great question. Hold on. I'm okay. working on it. Megan is, you know, going to work for you. Tax dollars yeah. at work here, as you can see. Okay. Um, he's 67. Wow. Let's see. I would have like thought he was younger than that, but I guess what do I know about John Cougar Right? <laughs> A hot lot of nothing. That's what. <laughs> A hot lot of nothing. Did you know he had a film career? I mean, I assume. Really? Yeah, why not? He seems like someone who could go in a movie (laughs) as like the guy cleaning off his Chevy truck. And he's like, you don't want to go that way into town. Go this way. (laughs) You know, direction guy in the movies. Okay. Right at the start. Um, Also, I clicked on the politics and activism tab yeah under it being like i wonder what he thinks and the first thing that says mellencamp was critical of ronald reagan oh that's right so because he used his song there's some relevant facts and he's like don't use my song in your campaign rallies oh yeah that's true Ultimate Masters preview cards. That's right. Surprise alert. Yeah, we have preview cards for Ultimate Masters. I should have just said surprise. No one says surprise alert. Surprise alert. Next time you throw a (laughs) surprise party, please have everyone jump up and shout, surprise Surprise alert. alert. It'll surprise them and alert them. Exactly, that there is a surprise happening. Well, we've got some Ultimate Masters preview cards. I know. I'm so excited. Of course you are. I know I am. So Wizards of the Coast uh, provide us with these preview cards. Thank you so much. And uh, they they were very specific with yes, the cards they gave us. They were really hint, very specific hint. for one of us. I want you to guess right now, wherever you are, say it out loud. I don't care if you're in the middle of the grocery store or at work. What cards do you think we got? Specifically one card. Say one card. Just one card. I want to know what you guess is. One, two, two three. three. Okay. Were you right? What card did you say? Because the card that we're going to say is... Slippery Boggle! That's Yay! right. Maria, your little slippery friend is back. I'm so excited. That means we can draft this card if we play an Ultimate Masters draft. Hexproof deck. Okay, so there's a few things I want to tell you about this card. <laughs> Make it checked out. I'm, I know I'm just <laughs> judging you for... For drafting a Hexproof For drafting... Deck? A boggle. Well, here's Continue the thing. On. It has beautiful new art in Ultimate does, Masters, which I think does. is excellent. Not all the cards are getting new art in Ultimate Masters, so the fact that they respected the boggle enough to give it beautiful new art I think is great. Um, let me take a closer look here. I'm trying to see who the artist is. Jesper... Jesper Ewing? It's kind of too small for me to read. Anyway, it's a great picture. The little bog is sitting perched on a rock with a fish in its little boggle mouth. And it also has new flavor text. Yeah. What does it say? It says, Ogle, oh, excuse me, <clears throat> Ogle the Bogle or Goggle the Boggle. Doesn't matter. You weren't going to catch it anyway. Oh, that's, that's great. great. And it's a cute little nod to the community fighting over whether you should say Bogle or Boggle. Yeah. Obviously, we're on the Boggle train because it sounds cute. It does sound way cuter. But Maria, they're not just giving you a slippery little Boggle. No. They're giving you a lot of things to put onto that slippery little Boggle. Hey, if you got your Boggle, you need your toys. Yeah. And we've got the best of the best here, Daybreak Coronet. Of course. Yeah, it's getting a reprint. I think it's great. And this is the art that's the cat scarf art. Yes, Gryffindor cat. Is the <laughs> name of the art. That's so true. 
I mean, this cat is definitely in Gryffindor. Have you seen yeah, it? Yeah, that cat is in Gryffindor. Look at that scarf. For sure. Look at that scarf. And then, of course, to help you... Oh, excuse me. I'll, I'll talk about the other auras. We've got Spider Umbra getting a reprint. Yes. Which is really cool. And Hyena Umbra getting a reprint in Ultimate Masters. And then to help you find these beautiful cards, none other than Heliod's Pilgrim getting a reprint, which is a two and a white for a one-two cleric. When it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an aura card, reveal it, put it in your hand, then shuffle your library. So... You do have the tools to build a hexproof deck. I don't know how many boggles you're going to be able to get or if other creatures in Ultimate Masters will have hexproof. But at the very least, you can make an aura deck for sure. Um, yeah. And if you get that boggle, all the more reason to do it. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, I'm very excited to see these cards reprinted. Yeah. You can have such beautiful new foils in your foil I, boggle deck. No, I'm so excited. I think the original printing is fine, but I am really, really excited about this new art. I think it's better. Yeah. I it's, love it. It's gorgeous. And, and Johannes Voss's oh. iconic Gryffindor cat. Gryffindor art, cat. You know? Meow. Meow. Um, yeah. And thanks to Wizards of the Coast for sending us those preview cards. Yeah, a bunch of other new previews uh, came out yesterday, if you listen to this, on Tuesday. Phyrexian Tower is getting a reprint. Yes. Which a lot of people are very excited about because it was a pricey card. And it's got it's a beautiful new legendary border. I love the new legendary, legendary border land. On these. Oh, legendary borders are so great. They're beautiful. They're gorgeous. Yeah. Wild Mongrel. Uh, one in a green for a two two discard a card it gets plus one plus one and becomes the color of your choice until end of turn that's a good card yeah you can do that any number of times exactly Just, and, oh excuse me i'm gonna tell like about another or really quick eldrazi conscri- conscription is in this oh set, so. actually okay so you can really yeah. go wild yeah if you don't know it's cost eight so it's kind of expensive enchant creature enchanted creature gets what is it plus where where is it 10 oh, plus 10 and has trample and annihilator too <laughs> Well, very reasonable. Get wrecked. So now you know what you're what you're going for. There's also Glenelendra, Archmage, uh, classic card. If, especially if you've ever drafted cubes, this yeah. is a cube staple. Three and a blue for a two-two flyer. Blue sacrifice it. Counter target non-creature spell, and it has persist. Really tricky to deal with. Yeah, and a, just an excellent card for sure. We have new art from uh, Therese Nielsen. If you're a fan on fecundity. Two and a green, whenever a creature dies, that creature's controller may draw a card, Ooh. which is pretty cool. And uh, Treasure Cruise. My friend. Getting my reprint. best friend. Treasure Cruise. Now, when we're talking card. about drafting, let's talk about our real drafting strategy. How many copies of Treasure Cruise? How many are you going to put in your deck? I mean, probably two. You sound like somebody who might put in more than two. You know, I want to. <laughs> let's be clear. I really want to. Gurmag Angler, another Delve uh st- all right. You know, sick delve card. Just a 5-5 five, five big old zombie fish. Beastie boy. But when you can just cast that sucker for, you know, even in limited, if you're Boop. casting this for like four mana and it's a 5-5. Five, five, Still really good. Nice. Still really worth it. Faithless looting. Ooh, I would draft with faithless looting all Same. day. This is a single red sorcery. Draw two cards, discard two cards, and flashback for two and a red. Wow. Yeah. I'm excited. Just to quickly note the value of this set, a lot of people are saying that this is the most valuable set that Wizards has ever printed. Yeah. Um, so hopefully it's got good return um, for what's in the box. And it looks early doors say that that it really does. Yeah. You've got Tarmogoyf, Ulamog, yeah. just like a ton of really great stuff in this Through set. Through the breach with some sweet art. Oh, yeah. And Merkulis jumping in there like, Rawr. Rawr. you called? <laughs> 
Is that how Emma cool sounds? No, she's like, I've come for tea. <laughs> I've come for tea. I've come for tea. Of course, Liliana of the Veil. Vale. We've known that one's coming for a while. Oh, now. yeah. But still super cool. Yeah, I'm super excited. I definitely got to get in a draft of this or sealed. Been talking about hitting up GP Vancouver. Yeah, you're thinking about it. I am. You're really thinking about it. I'm really thinking about it. It seems really sweet. Vancouver's a cool Uh, place. Yeah, it is. Should I do it? I think you should. All right, well. I'm, I'm everyone in the comments that tells me to. That's one vote in favor. Wow. Get out there and vote. <laughs> Ready, set, Ultra Pro. That's right, everyone. Ultra Pro is the place to go if you're looking to pick up dice, dex, dex boxes. That's a plural of deck box. Yes, that's right. Dex deck, boxes. Deck boxes, dex boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sleeves. Sleeves. Binders. Trade binders. Bags to bring to your tournament. Oh, man. Maria has a bag that changed her life. Yeah, I love the Ultra Pro bag. It's the messenger bag they have for sale there. It's awesome. And I, I changed, changed, changed my life, life at tournaments because it actually is a bag that is fun to carry. There you go. It doesn't kill my shoulder. Aww. And everyone was using those guild sleeves um, yeah. at the GP and they look so cool. And yeah. people are like, these sleeves are great. They're gorgeous. I really love them. I can't wait to break out my Rakdos ones at the next pre-release. I saw those Rakdos ones this weekend. Did you spy them? Yes, I did. House? No, I mean, I saw I, I speed a player playing them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're so great. Yeah, they're real good. And you can trick people as to what your deck is. Oh. <laughs> Get that edge. Sneaky. You know? Oh, I'm going to play my Arakto sleeves, but I'm playing just guy control. Or you can you can level up and be like, so that people will be like, if you're if you have just if you have Boros sleeves, people yeah. are like, are they on Boros? No, they're trying to trick me. And or maybe they're Boros. trying to trick me to trick me. Exactly. It's and then a whole Boros. thing in their mind. Mind wow. games. You're going to get ahead. There you go. All with Ultra Pro. <laughs> We're going to tap. We're going to top talk. Talk eight. Talk eight Milwaukee top lists. <laughs> top talk eight lists. Grand Prix Milwaukee. This is what happens when you've been working all weekend. You're flying in a plane and your plane lands right in your recording studio because that's essentially what happened to us today. It's true. It really did. So how long did I go home for? Enough to eat one bowl of soup and then leave again. One bowl of purple soup. This one was was normal color. Actually, I don't know. It's like white because it's potato leek. Megan accidentally made purple soup. I did. Not the potato leek one. This is a different one. I'll tell you about it while we're talking okay. about the top eight list. Great. Oh, it's just that it was, it's a squash and sweet potato, but I didn't realize that the sweet potatoes that came in my CSA box were purple until I started peeling them for the soup. And then nice. I was like, oh, weird. I think that's fashionable soup. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's just okay. what I think about it. I mean, it's still fine. I don't love the flavor of squash and sweet potato, but you have to use them, right? Yeah, you so. do. New flavor experience. It really is. Okay, let's talk about Isaac Crute. He yes. brought uh, Just Guy Control to the Grand Prix. Also, he just ran right yeah. over the competition up until those semifinals. He went undefeated. He, had a, he drew into the yes. top eight the final round. Uh, he, so he started out 14-0. Incredible. Yeah. It's a very, very incredible accomplishment. He had one previous top eight at GP Montreal earlier yeah, this year. Yeah, he's kind of on a tear. So putting that, putting that time in right now. And Just Guy Control, uh, classic list here. Yeah. 
This was the one that we were talking about when lots of people came. They're sort of like, okay, we're splitting. We've got some Teferis. We've got some Crackling Drakes because the secret of this deck, they say, is that it's not actually control. It's more like a mid-range deck where you're holding people off. It is very strange to got, see Crackling Drake in a Exactly, list. but you've got Crackling Drakes and then you have two Niv-Mizzets, but you've also got sweepers like Deafening Clarion. Settle the Wreckage. Settle the Wreckage. Um, and then there's some, you know, just some other classic... Removal, removal draw cards yeah seems about right exactly uh then we've got jacob tilk's mono white aggro so this is the only aggro deck to survive post pro tour to make it into the top eight yeah it's true there were quite a few not quite a few more but there i think there were two to three more copies in the top 32 okay to be fair so it was still up there yeah but it certainly was not the commanding performance that we saw at the pro tour yeah and that's kind of what we expected because decks like aggressive decks are traditionally pretty easy to metagame against yes and in this case it was pretty interesting deck that he chose too because there's no red not even in the sideboard Ooh, that's right and lots of people did move onto just mono white in the main deck but all of those for the most part we still saw red in the sideboard for aurelia um experimental frenzy experimental frenzy yeah the big two jacob tilk no 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 only planes. land 22 planes i love it yeah but we also saw to combat that we we're talking about how people can metagame against it yeah so many copies of ritual of soot oh yeah so many copies i mean that's why Danto vanguard was printed yeah thumbs up there Oh, and Turtenwald also made the top eight here. And the innovation in his deck, which was Is It Drake's, were a couple of things. One copy of Entrancing Melody. Hot. Which says gain control of target creature with converted mana cost X. It costs X blue blue to cast. Mm-hmm. And uh, one copy of the Mirari Conjecture. Dang. Spicy. <laughs> yeah. So this one lets you get instant sorceries back from your graveyard. Chapter three lets you copy them. So yeah. we saw Owen do some really stupid stuff where yeah. he's just drawing a billion cards we saw a couple of different decks have this innovation yeah. of a single one and every time that i saw it in play it was just it was wrecking. so good it was very very good definitely my favorite uh new card in that deck then we had seth manfield's golgari mid-range the deck that he he was on yeah um by which i mean he was spoke very highly of as we mentioned earlier he did yeah he's got three carns in this deck too in the main oh excuse me two carns Three Vivian Reeds and three Carnage Tyrant. Yeah. The difference his deck had over other people's was the number of Carnage Tyrants that differed from deck to deck. Yeah. But also he's got two Druid of the Cowls as opposed to just having all Lanowar Elves. Yeah. He does have the full four Lanowar yeah. Elves, but also those two Druid of the Cowls. Ramp really into Carny T. Yes. Also three copies of Find Finality, which was another way that people were dealing with uh, those white yeah. decks. Cards so that bad says, for them. Yeah. Four black green at the finality side. You may put two plus one plus one counters on a creature you control. Then all creatures get minus four minus four until end of turn. Vanguard can't Rough. survive that. Rough. You want to know how many times I saw two counters get placed on a Carnage Tyrant? Ugh. It was a lot. That's really brutal. Or Carnage Tyrants just got back from the graveyard with find. Yeah, I did see a lot of that. In the In the tough. finals, we saw... Adrian Sullivan yeah. dealt with a lot of Carnage Tyrants Four. in game two. Four. But two of them were just I the think maybe same five. one. Yeah, it was the same back. one. Yeah, a few times. Again and again. It was like, well, here here it comes. Because they also had Memorial to Folly in their lands. Some of them did. Oof. Yeah. Which lets you get a creature back from the graveyard. Card is so good. Yeah. Brian Lynn from Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's right. He took down Seth Manfield in the semifinals with his own Golgari mid-range deck. He's only playing two Vivian Reeds, four Vraska's Contempts, 
Ooh. That is a high number. Yeah. Getting everything out of there. Get it all out. And he did what a lot of people did at this tournament, which was exchange Carnage Tyrants for Doom Whisperers. So he had three Doom Whisperers and only one Carnage Tyrant in the main deck. Nice. Doom Whisperer. Just it's a demon made of arms and it's terrifying. <laughs> That's all. I saw somebody Doom Whisper sur- Surveil pay two life themselves down to four from 22. That's right. And then what happened to them, Maria? They died to two shocks. <laughs> To, oh. I think an expansion on a shock or no, it got back with the Mariah conjecture. That's oh, what it was. Okay. Yeah. Nice. It was a, what a way to go out. What a way. After you've been like, I'm probably fine. Watch no. out. All right. Now we, now we come to the, what won it all. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Sullivan's Just Guy Control, uh, which has classic three Teferi, but two Enigma Drakes. This was of his crackling drakes. thing, this yes. card in this deck. What makes it better? So he says Enigma Drake, by the way, only differs slightly from Crackling Drake. Doesn't draw you a card when it enters the battlefield, but it is one mana cheaper. Yes. And that was his <clears throat> And it only it thing. also only counts instant and sorceries in your graveyard, yeah. not in exile. Correct. He was like, four mana, tapping out to cast that, which is what sometimes a lot of the control decks would do. He's like, I'm not interested yeah. in that. This is cheaper, and I can protect it because he's got two copies of Dive Down in the main deck. Wow. Or he can just play one of his other cantrip spells. Yeah. In addition, he just thought tapping off for four for Crackling Drake was so bad. And you know what? What? As somebody who's played against this deck so many times, I've got to say, when they tap out for Crackling Drake, I'm like, thank God I have a window now. Yeah. Right? And the whole thing that Just Guy Control wants to do is not give the opponent a window. Yeah. So I agree with him. Well, there you go. Also, four full copies of Niv Mizzet. Yeah, this was this yeah. is a big, big boom, boom, daddy. <laughs> <And f> <laughs> Can't believe I just well, said yeah, that. Yeah, you did. Uh, four copies of Treasure Map, also. Yeah. So this is the other weird thing that he did was put Treasure Maps in Over Search for Ascanta. Yes. Uh, this is one tap Scry one. Put a landmark counter on Treasure Map. There are three or more landmark counters on it. Remove them. Transform it and create three colorless treasures. Um, and then you can tap the land and sacrifice a treasure to draw a card. And then three copies of Expansion Explosion. So if you want to see a My big explosion, favorite. use a treasure map. Yeah. We saw him. Oh, by the way, there's also another weird card in this deck. Oh, yeah? Uh, which I might come out of the sideboard, actually. Um, let me find it for a second. Where is it? What card are you looking Spell for? Spell Swindle. Oh, I don't see it in here. Where is it? Maybe it got mistyped. It must have been mistyped. Because there's definitely spell swindle in his list. Yes. And that is a card that you can counter a spell with, and then the Karuna Mac. Oh, costs, it's right here. Oh, there in it the is. Sideboard. Oh, one in the sideboard. Okay. So it costs three blue blue, so super expensive for a counter spell. Yes. But you counter the spell, create X colorless treasure artifact tokens where X is that spell's converted mana cost. So once he countered a Carnage Tyrant or cast Which it. Can't be countered. Can't be countered. But you still get the treasures. Yes. So he got a billion treasures and he exploded in for 17. Yes. That was one of my favorite games to watch. What? Because again, it was just like, it was so great to find, to watch someone who found a workaround. Yeah. To, it's like, oh, if the green black decks are going to pack all these carnage tyrants to try and beat me, I'll just find a way to kill them <laughs> before that carnage tyrant can attack me to death. It's so good. And he has two starve extinctions. Too. Yes. In the sideboard. Deal 20 to everything. Great. Ooh. Great, great, And that's great. very flavorful to see multiple yeah. Carnage Tyrants die to start of extinction. It's so true. We're reliving the dino's final moments. <laughs> wow, R. dark. R. Uh, and then we had another Golgari midrange, Adam Hernandez's Golgari midrange deck. Um, 
And then Jackson Hicks's Golgari Midrange. So Golgari really making a showing. Yes. Also several Minneapolis players. Yeah. Jackson's a Minneapolis player, as is Brian. Yeah. And uh and Adrian from Wisconsin. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty sweet to Midwest see so many represent. Midwestern players show up and be like, we can play magic. That's right. The middle of the country allows for this. Remember when we were like the Midwest is becoming a bastion of magic? Yes. Look at this. Bastion status achieved. <laughs> that on a shirt (laughs) 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 but the real message is you can still play anything that you want in standard everything was there well represented exciting games all weekend this is a fantastic standard environment absolutely i look forward to seeing what keeps on going down yeah hey everybody what's up we've got andrew ellenbogen pro tour champion with us welcome hey guys How's how's it going? Uh, well, I mean, winning a pro tour is pretty amazing, so pr- pretty great overall, I would say. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, 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 yeah. How how has it been since you won the pro tour? Have has anything like changed in your life? I imagine so. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been totally overwhelming. Uh, I've you know just been doing so many magic things that I wasn't doing before, uh, just from like uh, podcasts like this one, or being asked to go on streams, or like random people asking me to sign things, which is just uh, unreal. <laughs> I mean, what sorts uh, of things have you signed? Uh, so I was asked at the last Grand Prix to sign a giant island on uh, a copy of the card. Is it charm a promo version? Uh, I was asked to sign out. Uh, I was asked to sign like a, I don't know, a sort of deck box thing. Um, just whatever people ask me to sign, I sign. I need to. I think I need to work on a better signature. Oh, um, that's very important. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure you guys are experts in this already, but <laughs> um, uh, my signature looks like sever- someone like drew a bad schematic for a roller coaster. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've been I practicing mine since I was very young. You know, in anticipation of my Hollywood movie career, so I'm all good. <laughs> There you go. Well, that was very wise of you. Just prepare far in advance. For yeah, the right? Up. Yes. <laughs> Still waiting for that phone call. And about. you know what they say about podcasting? It's the next step to a Hollywood movie <laughs> career. Uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that is what they say. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so, Andrew, tell us, uh, tell all of the fine people out there, how did you get started playing Magic? What has been the Andrew Ellenbogen Magic journey? Uh, okay, yeah. Um, I mean, basically, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, I, at some point, randomly in my childhood, my parents uh, saw the 7th edition, like, box set that came with a CD that you could play against. And they were like, you know what we should nice. do? We should get this for our kid. Um, I'm not really sure what led them to this conclusion, but uh, <laughs> that is what happened. Uh, you know, magic, uh, you know, can destroy lives. So, uh, anyway... Um, <laughs> They, they got me that, and I learned to play from it. Uh, I would play against the computer over and over and over again. Uh, what I can tell you is one thing about that CD is that both decks have ludicrous hate cards. Um, oh, like, okay. Like, one of the decks is, like, m- like a red-green deck, and the other deck just has a copy of the card Sanctimony in it, which says, whenever you tap a mountain, uh, whenever an opponent taps a mountain, you gain one life. So just, like, you would just be playing your spells, and your opponent would just gain, like, millions of life just for free from you playing your spells 
Anyway, that's not the point of this. But, uh, <laughs> Good to know, though. The point of this is not the card sanctimony. <laughs> but anyway. yeah, very important for my magic journey. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I learned to play on that, um, but I didn't really play with any humans or like have any decks built. I just had some random cards and the 7th edition CD. And then at some point in time, uh, I was at chess camp, uh, seriously, uh, to, and uh, I was asked... And there was this group of people uh, who at recess, instead of, you know, doing anything physical or getting any, like, you know, exercise of any kind, would sit under the gazebo and play magic. Um, and I rapidly fell in with that group of people and learned to play magic there. Oh, um, I'm just impressed in, that in the first place at chess camp, they were like, do you know what these these people definitely want? Some outdoors time. Yeah. <laughs> Why was that even on the schedule? Exactly. Uh, like, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> you came to play chess, I know, but hear me out. <laughs> get outside and run around yeah <laughs> i mean it was oh man it was quite an experience but yeah so I, I chess act- camp playing outside how did how did this advance how did your magic life advance from there uh well uh i mean you know after that uh well, i played competitive chess for many years like all throughout middle school and high school and throughout that time i'm playing magic but just like not in tournaments, like not Grand Prix or PTQs, I'm just like, my first F and M is in like is in like ninth grade, um, and I'm like by the end of high school, I'm like winning a lot at F and M as much as much you mean as that may be, uh, and um, I uh, yeah, and then at some point in time, I play this SCG Open. Uh, it was SCG Open Cincinnati, I think, like the summer after high school, and uh, I do really really poorly in the main event. I like scrub out at like five five or something uh but they have a draft open on day two uh now draft opens no longer exist but at the time draft opens existed and what happened is that i randomly won this draft open uh i don't know if i was lucky or the competition was not that fierce uh it's hard for me to say exactly what happened but uh i was kind of hooked after that point i mean uh, yeah win win one of your first events that's a good way to do it yeah how many people were playing in that do you think uh, the, so draft opens were exactly 64 players. Oh, uh, they were, not bad. So it was just like a, a draft, and then if you 3-0, you make top eight, and then you draft again, and then you play out top eight. That was the format. It was single limb. That's um, awesome. But, also, yeah. I want that event. I know. I want but to play anyways. this. <laughs> <laughs> I want uh, an all-draft pro tour, so that's just me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty into limited. I mean, I was like a limited specialist for many, many years before I became good at other things. Um, like, I... I, I mean, for I remember very distinctly when I played my first constructed event, and I mean, it was a long time before I like ever did well at a constructed event. Um, but yeah, awesome. Um, and so, so what about after after that? So after like you know you you win this draft open, what next? Uh, okay, yeah. So then, um, I, I mean, it's from that point, I mostly just. Uh, I started, uh, playing some Grand Prix. Uh, I wasn't like doing anything ridiculous. I wasn't like, uh, flying to them. And I say that as ridiculous, uh, noting that it's a thing I do very, very frequently. Um, <laughs> Same. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how much I recommend it, but I, I, I like it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so I'm, I'm like playing a lot of Grand Prix from that point. Uh, just, I need, I'm an incredibly competitive person. I need a competitive outlet or else I am not a functional human. So I'm just like playing all these Grand Prix, uh, just like driving long distances. Anytime anything is remotely close to me, 
Um, and then at some point, uh, I play uh, Grand Prix Boston Worcester. Um, and Grand Prix Boston Worcester is a modern GP. Uh, and I am, uh, it's like, I think it's over a break or maybe in the summer. So I drive, uh, it's, it's a 12 hour drive straight from Ann Arbor. Uh, we, we did it in 14 cause you don't really drive 12 hours straight. That's insanity. Um, True. But, uh, our car doesn't need gas. Continue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, we do not have magic gasless cars. So yeah. Um, and then I, I drove 14 hours to this Grand Prix and I, at this point in my life, I had, I had cashed a Grand Prix with Tron I play a lot of Tron in my local store, and I was kind of known around my community as, like, the Tron guy. And uh, I uh, top-aided the Grand Prix with Tron. Uh, it was very well-positioned for that weekend. Uh, there was a lot of Jund and Pod, which were both favorable matchups. Um, there wasn't too much of the bad matchups around. Uh, so, I yeah, I think that I kind of qualified before I was supposed to in a, like, skill sense. But I did <laughs> qualify. Um, and that was my first Pro Tour, uh, PT Cons. And... From that point, uh, I started playing, like, a huge amount of Magic. Uh, I, start, I like, was chasing silver and flying to all these GPs, and, like, I basically became a Grand Prix grinder. I think that is a, a fair description of myself. Um, yeah, um, I think that's basically the story. Yeah, I think when I met you, when we met you the first time, it was still back in the days when you were the, the Tron player. Yeah, I remember you had a foil-out Tron deck. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Uh, at some point swore that if I, it was, it was, so like in Boston, sorry, actually I misspoke earlier. I didn't actually top eight Boston. I missed top eight on breakers, which is good enough for an invite. Uh, yeah. And my first GP top eight, like my first actual top eight, top eight was with Tron um, at Grand Prix Omaha. And I told all my friends at Grand Prix Omaha that if I made top eight the Grand Prix, I would finish foiling out the deck. Cause it was like almost foiled at the time. Um, and so I did top eight, and I like remember running around the dealers looking for a foil oblivion stone. Um, <laughs> I remember that because that was my first modern Grand Prix, and I remember watching you in the top eight, and I'm like, wow, his deck is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never really been emotionally attached to a deck that I have had other than my Tron deck, but my Tron deck definitely earned it. I think I definitely won more money with it than it cost to foil it out, so... Wow. Uh, yeah, it, it, it deserved, deserved That's that. That's saying something. <laughs> Seeing as you top-aided one GP and you, like, almost top-aided another with it, that's a really impressive statement. <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose that's fair. I guess that may have been implied by my previous comments. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about this Pro Tour that you won going into it. Did you feel super confident about your, you know, white weenie deck and like, hey, maybe this is kind of, I've made the right call. I feel good in this format. Or are you just kind of like, hey, I'm going to do this and see where I end up? Uh, I wouldn't say so. I felt pretty medium about it, to be honest. Uh, what happened is like, okay, so leading up to the Grand Prix. Uh, so for this Grand Prix, I was working with uh, primarily the Ann Arbor guys and the Team Tower guys. Uh, so I was talking a lot with, like, Mac McBeady, Tyler Hill, uh, friends of the show, Pirate Boys. Yeah. Uh, um, that, that, that sort of group of people. And I literally at some point told Greg Michael that I was locked on Drake's and that we should play Identical 75s. I, like, yes. literally sent those words. <laughs> um, and then uh, actually what happened is, so um, my good friend uh, Kyle uh, Bogum. Is, I, I don't know if I'm saying his last name right, which is embarrassing because he's my good friend. But uh, this happens uh, to me all the time. I don't know how to say Maria's she last has name. No idea. So, no. <laughs> okay, well, don't don't ask me to say it either, please. Um, <laughs> but 
Kyle came over uh, for like a playtest session. Like this is like the week of the Pro Tour. Like I don't know. I think it was like Monday night where the Pro Tour decklists are due Wednesday night at midnight. Um, and Kyle and I actually don't play any games with Weenie. We just play a, a, a league with Drakes because Kyle's interested in playing Drakes um, at Grand Prix Milwaukee, which was yesterday. Um, so he wanted to learn about it and also help me prepare. And so Kyle watched me play Drakes and he goes, at the end of it, he's like, yeah, I don't think you should play this deck. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And, and you're just like, well, okay. Okay. Well, kind of. I mean, I was really torn between White Weenie and Drakes for a long time. And I really respect Kyle's opinion. Um, the Ann Arbor guys generally think that he's the best player in Michigan. Um, we think he's better than me or Max or T Hill. Uh, so we have a lot of respect for his uh, viewpoint. Um, and so, uh, yeah, from that point, I'm, I played a lot with White Weenie and I free tooed a lot of Magic Online leagues. Um, uh, <laughs> the old three two, send it in. Yep. Oh, yeah. Get that, get that one chest of profit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, uh, that's that's kind of what happened. And I was really unsure uh, if I was right call because I knew that the mocks the weekend before, uh, they were dominated. It was everywhere. It was like all throughout the deck lists, uh, you know, just incredibly prevalent. And so I was worried that people were just going to have unbelievable amounts of hate. You know, every opponent was going to like main deck fungal infection me or something. Um, and I would just not win any matches. But in the end, I didn't have something better. Uh, Kyle specifically told me how to play Drakes. I didn't have time to really learn anything else because the two decks I had practiced with a lot were Drakes and White Weenie. So I just locked it in and I just committed to White Weenie. Uh, I worked really hard on it the next few days. I think uh, we ended up on a very good list, actually. I, I think we had a, one of the better White Weenie lists for the event. Um, and uh, yeah, I it, it worked out pretty well, I guess. <laughs> I'd say. I'd say it worked out pretty well. <laughs> How did it feel then when you were doing so well in the tournament? At what point were you kind of like, I could make the top eight? Yeah, well, it was quite a while, actually, because... So, okay, what happens is, like, day one, I 7-1. And 7-1 is, is a great result for Pro Tour. I mean, you know, it's, I, it's, better than I've, it's a better record than I've literally ever had at a Pro Tour. Um, I think my best, my best day one Pro Tour finish prior to that was 5-3. Um, and... Wow. So I was pretty, pretty ecstatic with that record. Um, and I knew, so I was going to where I was a civil level pro, uh, which uh, meant that basically uh, I was, when you're a civil level pro, you're kind of like on the grind. You're, you're searching for invites. You're on the hunt, I would say. Uh, and I knew that if I 11-5'd, I would secure an additional invite from 11-5'ing and have enough pro points to be like very close to gold and securing many more invites. So I said to everyone I know, all I want is 11-5. All I have to do is 4-4 four, four tomorrow. It'll be fine. That's, that's the record that I need. You know, what more could I ask for, really? Um, yeah, great. Yeah. Um, and then my, my first draft deck is terrible on day two. It's, it's, it's really bad. Um, it's a horrible train wreck. Uh, again, I, I've since watched some of the coverage, and the coverage suggests that there were literally somehow four players in a row drafting Boros, and I was one of them. Um, <laughs> well, oh boy. Yeah. Not so good. yeah, that's, that was, that's ridiculous. Uh, uh, but my deck was horrible and I was like, oh man, I'm going to like, oh three, I'm going to be seven, four. Uh, you know, then I'll probably like, you know, two, two standard or something and I won't 11, five. And then I'll like not recue from the next pro tour and I'll miss gold and I'll be so sad. Like, this is brutal. Like, 
man, if only I drafted a better deck. Um, and I end up pulling out one win with the deck. Uh, I play against Mark Jacobson, uh, who's a very good player. He has a very good control deck, but my deck has like two inescapable blazes. Um, and then the other thing is all my creatures are so bad. They're like heinously bad. That like his first pickable removal is just really not good against them. Um, like imagine that I have all these grizzly bears and he's all these command the storms. Like, yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, so I'm able to defeat Mark, even though I think his deck is much better than mine. Um, and I, I escaped the draft with a one-two, which I'm very happy with actually. Uh, and then I kind of just run the tables and constructed like I don't really think that like you know we broke the format with White Weenie, known best deck going in. Uh, I just think that, like, I faced, you know, a lot of close matchups. I drew very well. Many absurd things happened uh, in the, like, latter day of, of Standard. Like, at some point, I played against Green Black, right? And I, I drew all four Venerated Loxodons. So my creatures were all gigantic. Like, I just kept convoking everything every turn and not attacking him. And then at some point, my opponent, like, looks at his hand, looks sadly at the board... And then casts Find to recur Ravenous Chupacabra and a Explore Guy because if he casts Finality, none of my creatures would die. <laughs> That's awesome. That's pretty great. Uh, yeah. That's like, the sort of thing that was happening. I mean, I was just running so hot. And I mean, obviously, to some extent, everyone who's ever top eight a Pro Tour got very lucky. Um, and I guess I'm only trying to emphasize that I'm no exception. Uh, I was very lucky. Many, many things broke my way that easily could not have. Uh, but yeah, I, I was somehow able to do a good record constructed, and I, I did somehow get there. Um, although, again, there were, there were many ridiculous events, but yeah. <laughs> I want to know, too, you talked a lot about how, you know, when you were younger, you would watch uh, Luis's videos, LSV's videos, his draft, things, his draft videos that he puts up online, and in the end, you had to play them, you know, in the finals. What was that like? Uh, yeah, that's a, a fair question. I mean... It's absolutely true. I'm not like just like exaggerating the story for for the for the fans or anything. I mean, I very much did grow up on LSV's content. I think LSV is an amazing content creator. I think he's an amazing player. Uh, I think that uh, like it was really strange to just have you know like they seat me in the feature match arena uh, first in, when when I'm in the finals. I they just I don't know they found me first in the hall or whatever. So I'm sitting there waiting, and then suddenly like LSV sits down. I'm like, oh man this is LSV that I'm playing against somehow. Um, <laughs> it's pretty absurd. Uh, I don't really know how this even happened, but yeah, I guess, I guess I'm playing against LSV. Uh, and yeah, it was pretty, pretty overwhelming. Uh, like, but then, you know, we had some pregame banter. We we're both pretty friendly. Uh, I don't like to take high stakes matches too seriously. Um, I have at some point in time discussed the flavor of Lampold pacifist uh, while playing for a Grand Prix top eight. Um <laughs> <laughs> What is the flavor of Lamholt Pacifist? Yeah, that's a good question. See, Lamholt Pacifist has taken a vow never to fight Pacifist, right? But yeah. then as soon as someone slightly larger shows up, she's just off it. She's just going <laughs> to the prison. Like, <laughs> that's a great like, point. And, and also, if she gets slightly bigger, like, like if, if, yeah. like, if you, if you Dramoka's command, you, like, put a counter on her and have her fight something, she's like, well, now I have a plus one plus one counter, I guess, screw this whole pacifism thing, like, time to break <laughs> I'm some <a> skulls. <laughs> wow, yeah. Yeah, it's just you true. You know, I never thought about that, but yeah. people really can change just on a whim. <laughs> it's 
<laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's the moral of the story of Lampold Pacifist. Yeah. <laughs> that no matter what you think your convictions are, well, you know, they can change. Yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit earlier about, like, some of your magic journey. Um, and I imagine that a, winning a pro tour is, like, can be a highlight of a magic uh, career yeah. so far. Um, were there any times that, like, what were some other, like, highs of your career up until this point and like also were there any moments where you're just like oh my gosh I'm gonna this quit is, or, I'm, I'm gonna yeah. quit or like this is so difficult or like today really sucks in magic <laughs> yeah that's a good question uh I think my biggest high prior to this point was actually Grand Prix Minneapolis uh home turf for you guys uh it was uh the standard one uh a couple years ago it was uh like the, the standard that was all about, like, collected company and green-white tokens. Um, yeah. Where Lampholt Pacifist was legal, actually. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I t- and at some point in that tournament, um, what was happening is it wasn't just that I was doing very well in the tournament, uh, although I was. It was also that Max McBeattie was doing very well in the tournament. And I've, I've said a lot of times, and I'm not going to stop saying it, so world be ready. Uh <laughs> Max McVitie is my is like my partner in crime, my my closest magic friend, and I work with him very closely for every tournament I ever play. And so at that tournament, we were just both winning, just constantly. Um, and I was like, you know, sitting next to him at t- tables one and two. Um, and then we played, and he graciously conceded because like he'd already locked an invite to this PT, and I hadn't. But then we both made top eight anyway. And this this moment, this this moment where it's the last round. Both of us are locked on any result. We're already locked for top eight, regardless of win or lose. And we're sitting next to each other tables one or two, and I just look over, and I'm just... I'm so happy with the situation that I'm in. I'm just Aww. like... And so that that was that, that was probably the, the highlight of my Magic career, for me at least, uh, prior to this point, uh, was just top eight Minneapolis with Max, I would say. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. I love that story. How about times when it's been uh, tough for you to k- kind of keep going in the game, and how did you, you know, persevere? Yeah, that's a fair question. Uh, I'm not sure there's been ever a moment where I seriously considered quitting Magic or moving away from Magic. I mean, partially, I just find it to be so irreplaceable in the sense that, like, so I need a competitive outlet. This this is established. This is just a, a fact about me. <laughs> and it, I, I don't know what to say that's just very true um and magic i have all these friends all over the world who i don't get to well world is strong at least u.s all over the u.s who i don't get to see and uh, you know if i go to magic tournaments i just get to see them i get to hang out we play board games between rounds you know we get to go to magic dinners which are probably among my favorite experiences that ever happen i just like get a bunch of magic players on a table and hang out for a while <laughs> um i'm sure you guys are also fans of these oh yeah yes, big definitely. time you know, yeah. you will never hear like a more impassioned and ludicrous debate. <laughs> That's than true. You magic that is so true. <laughs> Over some absolute nonsense. Yes. And magic players love to eat too. I've I've noticed. Like, like we like going places and trying new foods and trying uh, cool stuff. Good restaurants. Yeah, oh, I I very much agree. I'm I'm all about the the magic food scene. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and and so I just. I never knew what it would mean for me to quit magic. Like, what would that even look like? Like, what would my life even be? What would I do with my free time? Um, <laughs> so I, I've never seriously considered quitting. I will say that there's one point, uh, like Grand Prix Atlanta, uh, it was a, 
what's the set after Battle for Sendikar? Uh, Oath of the Gatewatch? Oath of the Gatewatch, yes. Oath of the Gatewatch Limited. Uh, and I did very poorly. I did not make day two. I hadn't been day twoing a lot of Grand Prix around that time. Um, and I was kind of like not really sure uh, what my relationship with Magic was going to look like going forward. I was like, well, maybe I should fly to less GPs or take a break or do something. And I just, I don't know. I, I was... But then, like, at, at that point, at that moment in time, I wasn't happy with my job. And so, like, I think it sort of flowed over uh, to some extent. Um, and I just wasn't, I felt like a lot of aspects of my life were not that, I don't know, meaningful, you might say, at that point in time. But it, in the end, I kind of just, it, I, I kept playing Magic, and I'm sure happy I did. So I, I guess it worked out. <laughs> yeah, that's legit. Yeah, that's great. Also, that convention center was so cold. Maybe that was part of it. I remember we were working that. Were we? We were, and I still to this day. Oh, yes. It, it was like, frigid. It puts fear into my heart thinking oh, about how cold that I convention do center remember. was. I remember looking at my hands GP at one point, ice. and they were blue. Like, my fingers were literally you were tinged like blue. You were like a hat, a scarf, and a jacket yes. in the feature match area. Yes. I recall this. Anyways, wow. so I'm just saying, maybe that was part of it. <laughs> you know? I guess the temperature didn't make quite as much of an impression on me as it made on you guys, but... Fair enough. I mean, you know. I'm not saying you're mistaken anyway. You're probably right, but... Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, I, I can't state the extent to which that, that uh, you know, affected me, but... It, 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 I mean, again, it, it, it all worked out okay. I was still pretty... Yeah. In the end, I, I kept playing Magic. You know, I had some heart-to-hearts with my friends. Uh, I think Greg Michael gave me a, a good pep talk at that one. Um, that makes but, sense. He's a yeah. good pep talk person. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, since since Greg is eternally happy to beat, uh, definitely plays to his strengths. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so and actually, like you mentioned, like playing other games between rounds, and I was telling someone just today how you were the person who taught us all how to correctly play the game of coup. Oh yeah. <laughs> because everyone, literally everyone was playing the game wrong and it was less fun as a result. <laughs> yeah. You really changed, you changed our lives as far as Ku is exactly. concerned. Exactly. Sure. Wow. It took that game from, you know. Another level. Exactly. Almost unplayable to a very <laughs> enjoyable game. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Ku. I mean, I love social destruction games in general. Uh, I, I think they're great. Uh, I mean, I just, uh, okay. So, so aside, aside on social deduction games, have you guys ever played uh, Resistance? No, no, but I know what it is. Okay, yeah. Well, well I mean, the, the, I, I have a small story about about exactly this, uh, which is that when I when I I play, I have a board game group of friends here in Ann Arbor, and we used to play a lot of Resistance. And a problem you commonly have in Resistance is that like, so if you have two people who are both like traitors, and where everyone else is working together in Resistance, and if the two people who are both traitors get put on like a single mission. And the deal is, it's really important that you submit exactly one failure. Because if you submit two failures, everyone knows that both of you are traitors. And then you get destroyed, uh, basically, is how the game goes. I want to play now. And so this is a tough situation to handle, because, like, you can't communicate. You can't say, okay, you submit the failure, because then it reveals the table that you guys are traitors. And, like, (laughs) so... You just both have to be on the same page. uh, Yeah. So... What my group of friends did in Michigan uh, to solve this problem uh, is that, so in our minds, we all sort of had this uh, deviousness tier list, is how, is how I would describe it, 
It's like, we knew who was the most devious and the next most devious and the next most devious, et cetera. And the rule was that like, if there were two traders uh, on the same mission, then the more devious player would always submit the pass and the less devious player would always submit the fail. Oh my God. <laughs> and like, we didn't like say words to establish this. It just kind of worked out that way. And, uh, but what you should know about this and the point of the story is that I was top of the deviousness tier list. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's great. Uh, I took a lot away away from that story. Mostly that also everyone just had everyone like just knew. an agreed upon deviousness tier list. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a pretty ridiculous thing to do, I admit, but that's the sort of thing my friends are into, I guess. <laughs> that's fantastic. What do you think is, like, what is, in your opinion, the top social deduction game? Great question. Uh, let, that's a good question. Um, hmm. It, I think the one I like, well, currently my favorite is Skull uh, by quite a bit. Skull is great. Yeah, beautiful art as yes. well. Yeah. I just love that it's like the distilled essence of a leveling game. It's just, the game is level your opponents. Just get them. Just figure out what level they're on and be one level higher. Like, it doesn't bog it down with too many rules or like cruft. It's just very, yeah, pure, I guess. I'm yeah. a big fan of Secret Hitler. That's probably my favorite one. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I was in love with Secret Hitler for many years. Uh, just like literally, like at least three or four years. Weird and then, sentence. <laughs> just a weird sentence, but uh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, content warning. Uh, violates <laughs> violates uh, rules of uh, internet rules. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> it, I can tell you that what happened is my friend group actually played Secret Hitler so much. We played it like every time we got together that we eventually kind of broke it to the point that we can no longer play. Um, <laughs> You know what? I can see that happening. I can happening. see that happening, too, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just, like, we established a set of conventions that, like, everyone is aware are optimal for the for the townies, for, for the liberals, and then, like, if anyone deviates, we know they're a fascist, and then if everyone follows them, the liberals are just exceptionally likely to win. Um, and because we all know that everyone else knows the conventions, it's just, like, there's no way out. You're just trapped at that point. The game becomes a player. Um <laughs> That is going deep. That yeah. is going deep on Secret Hitler. I love it. Uh, yeah, we go pretty deep here in Ann Arbor. Let, let me let me tell you. Um, <laughs> Not known as a very peaceful, like quaint and a nice nice town, nice place to live. The secret <laughs> underground board game yes. group is devious cult, and cult. deep. Yeah, that's very accurate. That. I love that. Uh, but they're not all the same amount of devious. No, 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 no. no they no. have a rush system. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's great. You know, I would say, I think mine is still, I haven't played this in a, in a long while, because you have to have the right group of people, but Hanabi is still probably my favorite. Although oh. Skull is up there right now. Yeah, uh, Hanabi might be my favorite. See, I wasn't sure. Maybe I'm classifying wrong. Is Hanabi a social deduction game? I, yeah. I, I yeah. think so. Okay. To an extent. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly love Hanabi. I, Hanabi might, is probably my favorite non-magic game, full stop. But yeah. I just, I wasn't sure if it fell into this category. I guess the, the, the borders are kind of murky. Yeah, um, for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's true. Well, if we count it Hanabi and if we don't count it Skull. Okay, great. Yeah, <laughs> great, that, great. That's, that's <laughs> I want to ask you my favorite question we ask guests who come on our Magic the Prothering show. Yes. Which is, what makes you good at magic? You know, what is your specific thing that you have that makes you good at the game? Yeah, that's, uh, I, I love this question, actually. Um, <laughs> you, you should, yeah. Uh, so, 
Uh, I think there's a couple of things. Uh, so the so uh, so the first is that I'm very um, I'm pretty self-aware in a magic sense, and what I mean by that is like I know that there's things I'm good at and things that I'm bad at, and decks that I can play and decks that I can't, and I know when I'm supposed to listen to other people and when I'm supposed to ignore them and listen to myself. Um, it, it's like like. If you ask me, like, Andrew, like, if we hand you, like, a stock journalist list for this modern tournament next week, will you do well? And the answer is no. It doesn't matter how well this journal is. I cannot play it. Uh, and I'm oh, just aware of that. Uh, I also, it helps because I'm, I'm pretty honest with myself and with others about, like, matchups. Like, there's a lot of people in the magic world that if you ask them, like, you know, what is, how is your deck against this or how is it against that? you'll sort of realize that if you that they actually believe that their deck is favored against everything all the time, or at least they'll tell you that. Um, and this is really poor for collaboration, because like if you're working with a big group, it's like, well, this one guy just tells me every match is favorable for the deck that he likes, so I can't trust anything that he says. Um, and I, I, I would like to think that I am not like that. Uh, I think that in general, if you ask me my decks, I will tell you that they have bad matchups. Um, I, I will not stand here and say, like, you know, if you play White Weenie in Standard, Every matchup is favorable. Like, I'm, I'm not <laughs> going to tell you that. I will say, like, look, you know, if people play Matt Nass's build of green-black and they have, like, Doom Whispers and a lot of cast downs in the main and they have, like, Golden Demise in the board, I think they are substantial favorites. And, like, if you play this, if you play my Winnie deck, you must accept this. Like, this matchup is not great. Um, yeah. That's legit. That's so, a... Oh, go ahead. Keep on. Well, no, I mean, I think that's a, a big part of it, um, of, of why I'm good at magic. Uh... I just I think knowing where you stand and and having accurate beliefs about what is true uh, goes a long way in letting you uh, I guess make progress. Yeah, and I really like your attitude too. I have to say, uh, you have a lot of fun when you play the game, and that's <laughs> obvious watching you play. And the fact that you said what you said earlier, which was I don't put too much stake on high stakes matches or invest too much emotionally or whatever. And I think that's like so smart, right? Because obviously, you know, luck is a factor, your draw is a factor, whatever. And if you can just have a good attitude about it, you're gonna be a lot less hard on yourself when you take a bad beat. Yeah, I, no, I think that's very true. And I mean, I think in some sense, I think this is a metaphor for life uh, to get, get, get like, you know, galaxy brain for a second here. Uh, like when you play magic, you do everything you can, you know, you. You play the best deck you can. You have the best sideboard plans you can. You know, you make the best plays you can. And at the end of the day, there's a lot of randomness. And, like, things will work out for you or they won't. And you kind of have to just, like, roll with the punches. I mean, what will be will be. Sometimes you just lose. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, and I think real life is very much the same. Great point. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. Yeah. I think it also makes a lot of sense with what... Um, you were saying, and like what we, like we said, we talked to the Pirate Boys last week, and what they said, which is that like, you you are very much like a team player. Like when you were talking about Kyle, and it's just like if Kyle tells you not to play this deck, you're not going to play it. Um, just like it's nice to see how much you work with the people around you, and like how much you understand also their strengths, right? Um, and, and trust uh, them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, it it has been proposed uh, by so. Before I've talked about creating magic content, I, I don't know if I ever will. It's the sort of like idle dream, like I should start a bar. Um, but uh, <laughs> I've talked before about with Greg about like if I ever did that, one segment on my I don't know blog or whatever is like someone comes on 
and I asked them to just who, who that I, who I know very well, and I asked them to talk about their strengths as a magic player, and then I tell them what I think they are. Um, <laughs> Great, uh, I love it. Yes, because historically, I think that when my friends have described their own strengths. I believe that I described them more accurately. Um, but, well, you know, you're on the outside, you yeah. know? Uh, yes, I, I freely admit that's an advantage. I freely admit that, like, to some extent, I'm good at this because I it, do not, I'm not as, I guess, self-interested. Um, but uh, And you don't have to be humble. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Uh, it is so much easier to talk about other people than talk to yourself. It's hard to just, like, sit there and say, like, I am extremely good at this. You know, this is this is what I'm just amazing at. But like, if I sit here and tell you guys that like, you know, Max McVitie is the one of the strongest technical players when it comes to aggro decks that there is. And just like in game, when he's playing aggro, he just makes almost every decision every turn correctly. Like that's that's a lot easier for me to say than for him to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's very true. Yeah, agree. <laughs> um, all of which I, I do I do believe, by the way. But yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what's uh, what's next for you? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. It's really hard to say. I, I mean, these last two weeks have been uh, crazy. Uh, I mean, I am a weekend warrior. I still have a day job. Uh, I work full time uh, as a software engineer. So, you know, I've been doing all these magic things uh, in the evenings, uh, like this one, for instance. Uh, and that's great. I love doing podcasts and streams and stuff, but it also takes up my time. And I already don't have that much time. And you know, like when I played Jukumaki last weekend, I was kind of under practiced because I just was doing too many things. Um, and so going forward, I guess I kind of have to reevaluate my priorities and the extent to which the role that I want Magic to play in my life. And I don't really know the answer to that. Like to clarify, when I say the role I want to play in my life, I'm not in any way considering like not playing Magic. It's more like I'm wondering how much additional time should I devote to Magic related things? Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll let people know when I know. <laughs> fair. Yeah, for That's sure. That's fair. That makes makes a lot of sense. So you know, like think about what are you? What are you gonna do? You want a pro tour? Uh, yeah, I mean that is still surreal and insane. Um, <laughs> but I, I yeah I. I I mean, I know, I, I know for a fact that when I talked to Max before the Pro Tour, he literally told me, if I win this Pro Tour, I will probably quit my job and to like play Magic full time for a year. And I don't know if I feel that way. I like my job. Um, I, I, I generally enjoy my work and the people there. And I, I, I do think that like, you know, I, I am unlikely to be good enough that I could really support myself doing that. So I just... I feel that I'm not going to do that, but maybe I should try to work less hours, cut back, you know, to go talk to my boss about like working a lot of four day weeks or something. Yeah. So like, Hey boss, um, I'm a, I'm, <laughs> I'm a big deal. I'm a big deal yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know, did you said, I think in your profile interview that your mom was the first person you're going to call if you won? Yeah. What did she say? Um, my mom was like very ecstatic. She said that, uh, she got some of her friends together and they watched me play, uh, even though they have no idea like what the rules are even. <laughs> um, and they were just talking about what the commentators were saying and like trying to follow it. And, oh, it, it was, she was very great about the whole thing. Aww, That's so cute. That's so great. <laughs> well, whatever you decide to do next, you know, I'm sure it's going to be yeah awesome. So. Yeah, I, I hope so. And 
I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see, I guess. Maybe, maybe I'll end up, I don't know. I, I think, I guess, I guess I'm, yeah, I don't, I have no, I have no idea. We'll see what happens. <laughs> if people want to follow what you're doing or, you know, interact with you in any way, how should they do that? Uh, sure. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll shamelessly plug myself for, for a moment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, my Twitter is at AJ Ellenbogen, which are just my initials and my last name. Uh, and, uh, I am pretty responsive there. Uh, people can message me on Facebook, even if they're not my friend. I, I regularly check my messages, even of people who are not my friends. So, uh, I will be responsive there as well. Uh, my, so, uh, I mean, in general, I'm pretty, uh, active on social media. Uh, I am, I don't know. I, I like magic people. I don't know if I can say I like all people, but, um, so, uh, you know, I think that, people can contact me in those ways. <laughs> Perfect. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We so appreciate it. Yeah, it was great talk to, talking to you. Uh, yeah, great talking to you guys as well. Uh, I, I really enjoyed being here. everybody that's our show episode 304 is ready to close the door as john cougar camp would say that's our show <laughs> his, you know his hit song that's our show i just assumed like at the end of a concert he would say something oh yeah that's our show that's our show that's our show and it's time to go john time Cougar-Mall. for me to hit the road my name is john c mellencamp and i know that i love meg ryan and her toes wow did you know he had a thing for toes now you do that's a, literally lyrics from his new song wow <laughs> you really know what's going on with john cougar mellencamp <laughs> also so many places online just call him john cougar really yeah isn't that weird that is strange although i would know who they're talking about yeah it's true but like john cougar mellencamp is so satisfying to say in its entirety i agree agree. well anyways (laughs) anyways that's our lovely show hit us up on the internet wherever you like to be that's where we are chances are yeah that's right you can find us on facebook find our page uh you can also find us on twitter at glhf magic watch our youtube videos including that sweet new keyforge one if you're like is this something that i want to play yeah well watch us play and then let that help you decide we're on instagram also at glhf magic come follow us which is like twitter but only pictures and you don't have to listen to people say dumb things that's true that's true you know, sometimes when I can't emotionally handle Twitter, which is constantly now, actually, I barely go on there. <laughs> I go to Instagram. I'm like, I'll look at pictures of dogs. Yeah. And cats. Yeah. It's great. It's, it's a nice place. Yeah. It's a nice place. <laughs> well, everyone, until next week, you know. Keep it nice. Do what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs>